Welcome to Great Minds, a wine-centric podcast that looks beyond the glass and what's in it. We also dive into the culture and the history and the people and, of course, the stories behind the wine. After all, who doesn't like a good story? I'm Gina Birch. And I'm all about a good story. I'm Julie Glenn. (laughs) You know, when consumers go into a wine store, they're looking for, you know, anything on the grocery store shelf or the wine shop. Mm -hmm. It's real easy to walk away from the old world wines and be because they're just so confusing. They are. You know, you wade into Spain and you're like, what are they? What? I don't even know what's, I know it's red. That's about all I get. Yeah, you, know? you, you want to try something new, but you look at it and it's just like, yeah. And it, and it feels like a big investment, you know, because mm-hmm. you're going to go home and either you're going to be disappointed and then not have a standby. Right. Know? Or, you, you know, you may be pleasantly surprised. So it's really difficult. It's hard to have the education because it's not something, you know, that culturally we've grown up with here in the United States. So we decided to take uh, an in-depth look at labels to take some of the mystery away and encourage you to maybe take a chance on something that you might not be able to pronounce. Exactly. So, so far in, in this little experiment, we've taken a look at New World wine labels, meaning places like the U.S. and New Zealand, Australia, Argentina, those types of, of places, New World. Um, we were able to pretty much lump them all into one show with a fair amount of confidence because there really aren't that many rules. Yeah, when it it's comes basically to, they yeah. came from here and this is yeah. the grape that's in it's it the because grape. they put the varietal up yeah. front. That's this is the year and there's maybe some changes with percentages yeah. on the of grapes on the label. But uh, when it comes to Europe, we, we're going to have to take a little more time because yeah. there are a lot of rules and regulations and, and it's very legalistic in, in many areas. Um and we're going to start with Italy for many reasons. We thought this was a good place to to start, mostly um, because it's a really important place to, to Julie. I mean, you spent time there, you mm-hmm. studied there, and I'm sure there are people listening who might not know uh, your background when it comes to uh, your expertise in Italy and food and wine. It'd so, be weird if they did. Yeah. You know? well, <laughs> why don't you give us a little a little background on it? Okay, so I lived in Italy for a year. I got a master's in food and wine communication from the University of Gastronomy. Sciences, which if you've ever heard of Slow Food. Yep. Mm-hmm. So Slow Food International has an undergraduate college, and then they also started a graduate college, and I was there for the first year of that. Uh, was there for a year, and uh, during the course of that year, as part of the school and for extracurricular activities, I went to about every, almost every region mm-hmm. in Italy. And, well, that's that was your extracurricular activity, traveling around Italy? Yeah, basically. <laughs> well, and that was part of the school, too. Boy, that know? sucked. Yeah. Oh, it was tough, man. No, we had um, the... We we loaded that bus up, and mm-hmm. we, we the school was in Emilia Romagna, the land of uh, Lambrusco, mm-hmm. which one should not scoff at because okay. a dry Lambrusco can be darn good with some cured meat. Um, there's a reason mm-hmm. for that because those bubbles and cutting through all that the fat and that saltiness needs a little it's a little tinge of sweetness. Right. Okay. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. So there we were in Emilia Romagna, and I went pretty much everywhere. And I've gone back a few times because my husband is from Calabria, which is way down south. So you know how it lo- <laughs> you know how it looks like a boot. Yep. Calabria is the, the toe. Yeah. It's the toe oh, the part. the toe of the boot. Yeah. Okay. So it's got like, it. he's kind of up towards the arch, mm-hmm. <laughs> the arch of the foot. Like if you were to tickle Italy, that's about where he lives. Well, we could, we could make a lot of uh, funny comments about how that relates to your husband, but that'll be another show. <laughs> yeah, he is very ticklish. I'll yeah. give you that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so um, I ended up studying up about wine and food because there, you know, in Italy, it's not all about the wine so much as about the food mm-hmm. and what wine goes with it. I mean, because wine's like a food group, basically. Right. No, it is. You're right. And I got to say, the whole year I was there, the only drunk people I encountered were pretty much Americans. <laughs> um, the Italians, they eat so much food, and it's such a long process to really have a big wine dinner, and there's so much food and so much wine, and it, it just doesn't feel like you really ever get 
out of control or anything. Right. You know? Yeah, I get it. So. Um, so when it comes to labeling on Italian wine, I'm going to assume you know more than the average bear, which which you do. To me, I know a little bit. I've been to Italy a few times. I love that country. I love the wines. Uh, but I will say, even with my limited experience or some some experience, I can still look at that label and get a little confused. Oh, gosh, now does Reserva mean this or does Grand? Oh, gosh, I, I have to really stop and think. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to put you to the test here, if you don't mind. Okay. Well, she's like, what Hit do you me. mean? I don't know what you're talking Hit about. Me. And if I don't so, know hold it. Hold on. Uh, I got to pull something out here on my little trusty bag. Okay, so I've got this. Oh, we got Chianti. Hold on, hold on. I got one more. All right, ready? Uh-huh. Okay, and this one. Uh, Brunello di Montalcino. Right. So what I did was I went into my cellar, and sorry, I'm, I'm doing this to you, calling you out here. But here are a couple of older wines, which we'll talk of. We'll, we need to talk There's about some old wines. dogs. You got a 97 and an 01. I know. So we might have to open one of these while we're. Um, ah, that'll hurt. <laughs> yeah, afterwards <laughs> or before. But um, these are sitting in my cellar. They have little. Things around the label, little seals they've got. Mm -hmm. So, And what I'm going to do, because people listening are saying, great, you just put that on the table and we can't see it. So we're going to take some photos and promise we're going to put the photos of the bottles online and on the Grape Minds Facebook page as well. So Mm -hmm. when you're listening to this, you can kind of go back and look at the labels and see what Julie's talking about. Pop it up and see see who we're talking about. So let's let's start start with Chianti because I think of all the Italian – regions that people have probably heard about it a lot mm-hmm. and and are and are somewhat familiar with it and they have some very specific rules and regulations and even if you know nothing about mm-hmm. wine you have heard the Chianti and fava beans line from yes. uh, Silas of the Lambs, <laughs> yes, right? exactly. So Chianti is a, a wine that is ubiquitous. It's kind of like means Italian wine mm-hmm. to a lot of people. Yep. You know, uh, you remember those, th- these don't have them, of course, but remember the little bottles that had the basket on the, the bottom? The wicker basket. Yeah. Yep. You know, those are called fiasco. Uh, literally? Yeah, that's in Italy, it's a fiasco. Uh-huh. So they did that. Because they used to, in order to get the temperature controlled on the wine, mm-hmm. you know, pre-refrigerator, pre-frigidaire, um, they would take that and put it in a cool creek and get that basket wet, mm-hmm. and that would help keep the temperature of the wine cooler oh, okay. than room so there, temp. So there was a reason for it, a yeah. functional reason, it had not a reason. just decor. Well, yeah, and that and also when you're in a horse-drawn carriage, the glass isn't clinking up next to each other, too. <laughs> I was always told that, but then I actually talked to a, an Italian, and they were like, yeah, it's also because it's temperature control. You put it in a cool creek and keeps you your go. wine cool. Uh, but they are uh, no longer really doing the baskets so much, mm-hmm. except for on some uh, lower-end uh, Red and white checkered tablecloth yeah, type uh, joints. I think if I saw a basket on a bottle of Chianti, I would run. Yeah. <laughs> or order something else. Yeah. You know what? I tried My perception, one. though. I don't know if it's re- a reality. I don't know. I had one like, you know, maybe six, seven years ago, and uh, it was just sweeter than average. Yeah. You know? So uh, Chianti is in Tuscany. So um, there's there's that. So mm-hmm. Chianti is a region within Tuscany. Chianti Classico is a region within Chianti. So you got a circle. Big circle mm-hmm. is, well, it's not really circular, but there's Tuscany, then there's Chianti, and there's Chianti Classico. And within that, you have uh, Brunello and, um, what's the other one? Brunello di Montalcino, Montalcino, mm-hmm. and then uh, Montepulciano. Montepulciano, yeah. Not to be confused with grape. So there's right. a town con- called, Montepulci- called Montepulciano. Beautiful hillside town. Yeah, it's, oh. it's not bad at all. Yeah. Um, and then there's also the, uh, so Brunello di Montalcino, which is one sitting in front of us here. That means it's a Brunello of Montalcino. And that's actually a designation. Um, and it has its own, you know, set of rules and ordinances, which have been set up by the co-op and then, uh, put in place by the government, which is 
evidenced by the little pink stickers that are around the neck of the wines. So that means it comes from a... Yeah, D-O-C-G. Right. Denominazione di origine controllata. Uh, garantita controllata. So there's D-O-C and then there's D-O-C-G. Okay. D-O-C-G is an indicator of tighter controls, stricter, stricter controls, um, and they would say better wine. Okay. Just because it's more controlled. So the more letters means better wine. Well, yeah. Or better they, quality. Yeah. Allegedly. Uh, they can ask a higher price. It okay. may or may not be better to your taste, but it means that there's more control over it, and it is seen in that region of as being of better quality. Okay, got it. So there's that. Um, when you see the tape, um, we're looking at the Brunello di Montalcino, and it's pink, and it's got the uh, you know it's got the issue number and all that kind of stuff, and it has all its little officialness. D O C G. I see the G. Yeah, DOCG. And then you have on the uh, Chianti Classico, which you've brought in, it's got a little black rooster. That's that's key in Chianti. Chianti has its own little mascot, if you right. will. And um, it's the black rooster of Chianti. So that'll uh, also, if you d- can't see where it says Chianti on it, you see that little black rooster that's going to tell you a little bit more about it. So uh, this guy is also a DOCG. Am I right? Yes, yes. I'm right. All right. Yes. Yeah, it should be. It's a Chianti Classico. There'd be kind of no use in doing. But so, and now here's another thing about Tuscany that uh, confused people. Like back in the 90s, um, so there, there are regulations that go with this. Uh, let me just rattle those off real quick. You want that? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Here's some information. Um, okay. Get your pen out. Chianti has to have at least 70% Sangiovese in the blend from the area designated Chianti, and it has to have been aged at least four months. Which that's is not, not that long. very long. Not that long. Uh-huh. That's just that's straight up Chianti. Okay. Um, then Chianti Classico, which is this guy here, it has to have a minimum of 80% Sangiovese okay. from an area designated Chianti Classico aged about a year. Or it has to just really be aged until October, the year following the harvest, which is pretty much going to be a year. Right. Usually the harvest is mm-hmm. September, October. Chianti Classico Reserva is a minimum 80% Sangiovese, once again, also from Chianti Classico area, aged minimum of 24 months. you got two years with an additional three months of aging in the bottle. So there's that. Then, this is a new one, and um, there's Chianti Classico Gran Selezione. Hmm. Have you heard of this one? I don't think I have. Well, okay, it just kind of happened in the last few years. Okay. So um, this is really kind of a weird story. I was in uh, Naples. and uh, Napoli? No, not Napoli. Naples, oh, Florida. Naples, Florida. Okay. <laughs> I wanted to clarify. Slightly less <laughs> yeah. great pizza. Um, although there is good pizza to be found. So um, I was down there and I, I knew a wine sales guy. He was like, hey, I got this guy. He's coming to town. He's got this, um, you know, Chianti. You're going to want to come mm-hmm. meet him. All right. Turns out it's Alessandro Celai of Castellara di Castellina. And that is a winery that I actually went to oh, cool. okay. when I was in Tuscany going to this school. So um, I talked to him about this new designation called Gran Selezione, and he said, it's more like Gran Confusione. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, uh, he says, uh, even though many of our wines would qualify for this classification, we will not participate. It seems like just a way for large producers to sell wine at higher prices. Okay. So that's what he's saying. And, All right. You know, there's there's some issues with uh, different places. They feel they're kind of capitalizing on the confusion. You know, if mm-hmm. you put a more elaborate and fabulous name on it, then you can ask another $3 a bottle. Yeah. Whether it's worth that or not is, you know, I don't know, I guess in the eye of the consumer. But anyway, so it's um, the Italian wine and the laws that govern them. They're known for uh, fluidity, outlawing what falls out of favor and offering opportunities to capitalize on what's popular. 
Got so it. things kind of change a lot. It wasn't until the 1960s. Isn't that typical for Italians? <laughs> yeah. Go with the flow. Uh, yeah. But it wasn't until the 60s that vineyard managers started planting Sangiovese with Sangiovese and Canaiolo and Canaiolu before vintners relied on field blends. Mm-hmm. Before that, it was field blends. And in those red blends, you would find indigenous white wines as well. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So by by field blends, it means, you know, hey, I'm going to plant uh, a white wine here, probably Trebbiano. Um Then you have uh, a Sangiovese, and then you have uh, Canaiolo, and all these different grapes, and you just kind of plant it how you think you want your wine to turn out. And you pick it all at the pick same time. Pick it all time, at the same time. And let it, it all be basket. friends. Yeah. yeah, and let it all hang, let it all mm-hmm. vinify together, or, you know, try to separate it, but that's kind of a pain. So they'd let it all, that's how they used to do Chianti, and it wasn't mm-hmm. until the 60s till they went uh, pretty Sangiovese, and it seems like over time, it's become more and more Sangiovese-centric. Right. Which is kind of tough because right. Sangiovese is a chalky little guy, mm-hmm. you know? Um, that that That's one of those wines that when it's young and when it's, you know, questionable Chianti, you know, levels, it can really taste like a, a chalky mouthful. But that can be good. And this is where the food and wine thing comes in when you're dealing with what is popular in this region, which is the Tuscan steak, which yeah. is that Kianina cow. In the boar. And it's it's yeah. it's, it's uh, hearty foods. They're, yeah, the foods are very hearty. Yeah. I mean, you're in the country. I mean, let's think about where they are. They're not on the on the sea or, you know, along the ocean. Mm-hmm. They're in the country and it's great farming area. So this wine um, that's why you don't sip a Chianti. You have to have it with a meal. And it's like basically the only region in Italy that I can think of that's known for its beef. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, they're known for that big white cow. Um, so, I mean, there may be some. So, sorry if I offended any region. Piedmontese beef. Yeah, there's yeah. that. Yeah. But then they have the bolito where they boil all the organ meats. <laughs> um, anyway, so then, so 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 basically, you know, the and you think about the ribolita, the uh, mm-hmm. soup that they have there, mm-hmm. they're... Uh, Bread, just be aware that there is no salt in that bread, so that can throw you for a loop. Right. Have you ever had Tuscan bread? Yes. You're like, whoa, what's missing here? Yeah. (laughs) If you ever want to know why you put salt in bread, try Tuscan bread. But um, that's because they pair it with a lot of their salamis and things like that. So this is a situation in which the uh, wine goes with the food. So the Sangiovese, with its um, bright acidity, Mm -hmm. it goes really well with that, you know, tomato-based bean soup Mm -hmm. that uh, is... um, Ribolita, which means reboil, where you take old bread and you put it in there too. It's it's super good. Yeah, you're making me hungry now. I know. And I want to open one of these bottles. You can't think of Italy without thinking of the foods that go with the wines, because that's honestly the reasoning behind it. So if you're going to a region that uh, has a certain kind of food product, you can expect the wine to just totally go with it. And I think that's why so many people don't venture out and try some of the Italian wines because of what we just said. They sip it out of tasting and they're like, mm, yeah, there went my this. tooth enamel. Yes. And, and, and I just I, I don't want it. But you have to look at the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And again, like you said, where it's grown and what foods are in the region, because they, like you said, grow the vines and make the wines to match their food. It makes sense. Yeah. So I didn't I didn't get to the specific oh, yeah. the Pacifics of Chianti Classica Gran Selezione or Gran Con, Gran Confusione, minimum eighty percent Sangiovese here once again, all estate grown, aged thirty months with an additional three months of aging in bottle. So it's just adding you know yeah. six months to the Reserva, and that three months bottle aging kind of helps it calm down. And twenty dollars to uh, the price tag. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then there's the other thing is. Um, you have other areas that have different regulations. There's Montalcino, Montepulciano, like we just talked about, and then Chianti subregions like Colli Arantini, Rufina, Montespertoli. That gets really confusing. And then you have your Super Tuscans, 
which is awesome. Right. And those, they don't classify those. They're called red table wine. Right. Exactly. You know, and they're some of the most expensive. Mm -hmm. You know, you got Ornolina. And and the reason is, is because there are some winemakers that are there in Tuscany going, you know, I don't really want to do all Sangiovese. It's kind of hard to work with. I want to do something with more of an international palette going on. And uh, they wanted to bring in things that are not traditionally considered Italian grapes like Merlot and Cabernet Sauvignon. However, they've been there for a while. Yeah. So if you see something that says red table wine from Tuscany and it's a $120 price tag, <laughs> that's why. Yeah. It's not red table wine. It's some good juice most likely it's in there. It's probably pretty darn yeah. good. Yeah. And it, it's probably going to be more uh, approachable to someone who's used to more new world style wines, mm-hmm. meaning more fruit forward a little bit less, less um, acidity, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. So that was it. Castellari in, Chia, in Castellina. Castellari di Castellina. That was one of the best. It was it's um, Castellari in Chianti. It's a, a cute little village, and they have some just fantastic wines that, that I remember. And, and if you remember 10 years later, oh, yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> it's yeah. pretty good considering the um, number of wines that I was able to try. So, yeah, that's uh, Chianti, which is in Tuscany, and that is simply one region. So what you're looking at on an Italian bottle, if you see... D something, you know, that means mm-hmm. it's, it's from a place. Right. Um, Alianico del Veltura, you know what I'm saying? That mm-hmm. one, Alianico del Veltura, that's from Voltura, and that's in the Basilicata region, and Alianico is the name of the grape. Okay, so if you have D, D, E, D, E, L, the word like that of. follows that is is the region or the area it's from. Yeah. Okay, got it. Up in Piedmont, for example, there's another example of the Del and D. There's a uh, Barbera d'Asti mm-hmm. and Barbera d'Alba. Yep. Those are two different yep. towns within Piedmont. Um, so you ha- that's Barbera from one town and Barbera from a different town. Right. Barbera is the name of the grape. The grape. However, the big dog of Piedmont is Barolo. The name of the grape is probably never going to be on there, and it's Nebbiolo. Mm-hmm. Then in Piedmont, they also have the Dolcetto, which is the most affordable one, which sounds like a little sweet thing. But it's not at all. Not sweet at all. It's mm-hmm. just because the berry of the grape is sweet. But it doesn't mean because they're small berries. That is confusing. The first time I tried that, I was very surprised. And yeah. man, was it good. I had a great Dolcetto. Uh, that's what everybody drinks every day up there in Piedmont. Right. I mean, nobody's throwing down uh, Barolo every single day. <laughs> and then, you know, there's all the other regions. The best thing you do is just, I mean, everybody's got a smartphone now. Just look right. it up. You know, just it's easy to look up. But um, checking out the the wines um, for Italy, I would say the best bets go for a DOC, DOCG and uh, ask the people at your wine shop because they can usually help you out a lot. Awesome. Great Minds is produced at WGCU Studios on FGCU campus in Fort Myers, Florida. Our producers for online media are Anna Bejarano and Tara Callaghan. Technical production is by Mike Canary. Great Minds theme music for Zante is by Colin Mannon. To get in touch, check greatminds.org. Thanks for listening. 